another white boy with a podcast. Pronouns, Jim Bro, another white boy with a podcast. Do you want to see the video? It went viral. Hi, Gains Gurus, and welcome to TMGP, the Muscle Growth Podcast, Episode 5. I am your host, Roscoe, and today we are welcoming Coach Leo Kruger onto the show. Beyond the world of coaching, Leo leads a double life as a business intelligence analyst, where he specializes in creating and analyzing data models. It's a job that keeps him on his toes, but Leo's true passion lies in the realm of fitness and muscle growth. Currently, Leo has the privilege of working with a diverse group of 55 clients, ranging from those embracing the lifestyle to competitive athletes, with a notable 65% being phenomenal women. The proof of their collective hard work is reflected in 2023's impressive placings. Nine first places, four second places, and seven third places. It's a testament to the dedication and commitment of the incredible individuals that he has the honor of coaching. As a programming and hypertrophy expert, Leo brings a wealth of knowledge to the table, particularly in the realm of performance-enhancing drugs, PEDS. His academic background includes an honors degree in quantity surveying from the University of Pretoria, complemented by his personal training courses through TriFocus and various online certifications, including J3U by John Dewitt. He is also a proud lifetime member at Prep Coach Academy by Victor Black. With almost 17 years of personal gym experience under his belt, he took a brief hiatus before diving headfirst into serious training. Over the past four years, he's been coaching clients, initially keeping it low-key due to work commitments. However, in 2023, Leo made the leap to actively grow his online coaching business, expanding from around 10 clients to nearly 60 in less than a year. This significant step allowed him to branch out on social media, sharing insights, tips, and inspiration with a broader audience. In today's episode, we'll delve into topics ranging from effective programming to the nuances of hypertrophy, all while exploring the fascinating world of muscle growth. Given that brief glimpse into Leo's coaching and bodybuilding background, let's jump right into the show. Hi, Coach Leo. Hey, Roscoe. How's it, man? I'm well, thanks. And yourself? Doing good. Can't complain. Thanks for having me on the show. Only a pleasure. I'm excited. Cool. So let's get to it. Can you briefly introduce yourself and your journey into the world of bodybuilding and coaching? Yeah, sure. So, so I think uh, the, the first time I fell in love with the gym is about 17 years ago. It's actually longer than that ago. Um, and uh, my journey actually started when I was really young. Um, I was very sporty and uh, played a, a lot of sports. I got pushed into a lot of sports uh, from a young age by my parents, mostly my mother. And uh, the sport that stuck was swimming. Um, we were, myself and my sister was very, very good at swimming from very young age, um, preschool age, and then into primary school age. And we swam at a, a very high level, well, we had a very high level coach coaching us for swimming. And um, one of the things that we had to do three times a week was to do a gym program um, before we hit the pool. So, and this was when I was, um, you know, just getting into primary school. I was, no, I was a little bit older. It's probably like 12 years old or so um, when, we, when we started doing 
gym training three times a week before swimming, before swimming training. And um, we started off at Virgin Active because uh, there was a big pool at Virgin Active Mainland in Pretoria uh, and a very nice uh, gym there. So we, so we did a lot of gym. Uh, gym work before training and, and um, the gym work was always more fun to me than the swim training class. So uh, from a young age, it sort of like grabbed at me and um, my parents decided to uh, to even build us like a pull-up bar at home. And my sister and I were like, we were really young, so um, she could do just as many pull-ups as I could at that stage. And uh, we would challenge each other every day to see who can do the most pull-ups. And uh, yeah, physical fitness was always a big thing to me. So that was my kind of my first exposure in the gym. Um, but when the bug really bit me was uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. Early in high school, um, I had a couple of friends that uh, played rugby really, really well. And, um, you know, they always, they had to hit the gym quite often as well. And I would go with them and uh, start training properly, you know. Um, Well, what we thought was properly. So I was about 14, 15 years old, um, really getting into the gym. And then, uh, yeah, I just continued to, to exercise. I was pretty skinny. Started to eat my stride in in uh, in matric when I was about eighteen years old, um, and from varsity years, I, I was f- for five years at university. Um, that's when we really started to gym hard and and tried to become like the big guys in the in the gym. You know, so every day was was revolving more around when are we going to gym, um, as opposed to when are we going to class. Uh, so we skipped a lot of class, unfortunately um for gym sessions but anyways we all passed so that was fine um so yeah that's how i got into the gym and uh started training and only in the past five years or so i started uh coaching online it wasn't really a thing i was expecting to do but uh my path just went that way and i started helping clients and uh it started the business just started taking off this year so um, I'm very fortunate in in um, being able to do coaching now as well. So that's an awesome introduction. Thank you so much. So what got you into the coaching aspect of it? So I suppose about six or seven years ago, I decided to uh, I had to restart my gym journey. Basically, about six to seven years ago, I there was a, a period where I had ex- extreme amount of stress. I started. Uh, a couple of businesses. Uh, I was working extremely hard. I was working seven days a week, 16 hour days. Um, I was pretty much burnt out and I didn't, I told myself I didn't have time to exercise and, and I, I did have little time, but I mean, everybody can make a little bit of time for exercise. And, and I, it just sort of got me depressed after, after a while. And a few years went by where I like hardly got to the gym, hardly done any exercise. And I sort of like, I lost all of the muscle mass that I gained. And I, I actually, I got like skinny fat, you know, and you know what that looks like. And I, and it, it was really depressing to me. And, um, there's multiple factors to, to why that happened and everything. But, um, at the end of the day, I just, I just decided, you know, like I can't, can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I made some career changes. I uh, got some time back and really just dedicated myself uh, or forced myself, you know, to get back into the gym. And and you know, and um, once that bug bit me again, it was it was I couldn't I couldn't stop. Um, I was I remember when 
when I just started enjoying the gym again, I would see how many days in a row I could go to the gym without taking a rest day, you know, which is obviously not like the best thing to do, but it was, I would go like three, three weeks, 20 days or 21 days without skipping gym once. And, um, and yeah, they just, uh, you know, just really sank into me and it, and like, I just had this desire, this burning desire again to exercise and see where, where I can take my body. Um, and a couple of years after that, um, I started looking good again. I really got my gains back quite quickly, um, because muscle memory and, and that stuff. And I knew what I, what I was doing in the gym in the first place. So it wasn't like I was a newbie starting out, not sure how to diet, how to train, how to recover that stuff. I already knew a lot of that stuff. I just learned more of it as we went along. Um, a couple of friends asked me to, you know, help them out, um, to get back into shape and and sort of coach them just more as a, a as a as a favor than anything else and and i didn't obviously accept any money for it because i wasn't even qualified i was like okay cool I'll, I'll help you out i'll create a diet for you i'll give you a training plan and that type of thing so i helped a few people out like that for free um probably for a couple of years two years or so um i didn't really have time at the t then to take on more clients or i didn't have the desire either to make it like a business or ask money for it. Um, but the demand just started coming in via social media. Um, and I started posting a bit more about fitness and so on. So I would get some DMs from people asking me for help and, and asking, you know, do I do coaching and stuff? And I, I turned a lot of people away because no, it wasn't something that I was doing. And then I just thought, thought to myself, well, I mean, I can start this thing small. I don't have to take on a lot of clients. I can, you know, start taking two or three paying clients on and see how it goes. And then if I don't have time to get to all of them, then I just wouldn't take on more the, the next month or the next month, you know? So I sat uh, with about five to 10 clients for probably a year or two, um, without advertising or anything, just took some of them on that, that asked me via DMs. Um, and, uh, I just loved the, the aspect, the coaching aspect. I just, I really love getting involved with people's fitness journeys and, um, the intricacies of it, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a, it's almost like a puzzle. Every person is a, is, is a bit of a puzzle, like everyone's so different. And, uh, that's why you can't just get this information online and copy somebody else's what somebody else is doing and think it's going to work for you. Um, it's so unique and, and I, I just love the whole process from beginning to end solving those problems helping people out and uh it just evolved from there and eventually i started uh i competed as well and i started coaching more and more clients and i got more and more demand um to the point where we are now that I've, I've got quite a few clients on my book and uh and yeah i absolutely love i just absolutely love love coaching and 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 i'm hoping in the near future to to make it my um my soul my sole business, my sole income, uh, but I have a little bit of ways to go there, but I have plans. Um, so I also don't want to take on too many clients at one time because I really do put a lot of time and effort into each client. Um, I'm extremely thorough with my, um, analysis of them and my check-ins and the way I treat them, the time I give them, um, I like to explain how I do things and why we do things so that they know as well. Some, some would say it's not like a good business model, but, um, I, I want them to be self-sufficient 
at the end of the day as well. Um, that if they do ever leave me as a coach, they actually know why we did some stuff and they can continue with that on their own um, and, you know, making the best out of their fitness journey, even without me. So, yeah, that's how I sort of got into it and that's where we are at the moment. And uh, um, it's just getting better day after day. And I just honestly just love coaching family. Well, that's an epic reason to be in the game. And I think it's inspiring your mindset about it and the way that you treat each person uniquely and as a piece of the puzzle, that's really cool. And I think that if more coaches did that, it would be better for everyone. And like you said, maybe it's not the best business model, but giving a better product is so much better than, than just low quality and then quantity. Yeah. So, you know, there's two, two sides of the coin, right? So there's the one side that says, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a clever thing to do because you might be shooting yourself in the foot business-wise. But the other thing is the, the whole value aspect of it. And I've created, because I, 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 I do my online coaching through, a, through an app, right? So everything gets done on, on the app. But inside of the app, I built in an educational section as well. Uh, so that my client, I, I created videos and content and PDFs and things that they can, just basic things. It, it's not very um, in-depth. It's just... The simple things to keep in mind um, and the simple reasons behind why we do what we do and if they understand some of those principles then their progress is better and their progress is quicker and they adhere to the plan a lot more because they understand why we are doing things it's not just throw this at them and say hey you do this and then they have to say yes sir i'm doing this and you know it doesn't matter what what, just tell me what to do coach i'll do it like mm. yes i understand that mindset but if you also just have a um, basic understanding of certain principles um of why we do certain things you're much more likely to stick to it your progress is going to be better you're going to have to want to stick with me longer because the longer you are with me the better progress we make because the more i learn about your body and more i learn about you the more um uh, specialized we can get around your diet and your training and your recovery and at the end of the day the quicker we can make progress so um yeah there's two sides of the coin so i see it from that aspect um adding value and it adds to and it just comes down to adherence at the end of the day as well it's like easier for clients to adhere to the plan over a long period of time makes my job easier gives them um more satisfaction, more uh, results at the end of the day. So uh, to me, that's a win-win, right? Absolutely. And I think people will go way further um, when they understand why they are doing things. And I'm sure that they really appreciate that because a lot of people, like you said, will just throw them the book, tell them exactly what to do. And some people that works, but for a lot of yeah. people, it's actually way more useful to understand why they're doing th things and to be more, um, yeah. to understand better and to learn. That's also an epic thing that you've got going there yeah so i mean it's it's completely optional like if you want to learn more the the opportunity is there for you um or the platform is there for you if that's not your thing then whatever just follow the plan and we'll do what we do it. yeah so i'm catering for for everyone We're trying to everyone yeah that's fantastic so well done on getting back to it from being out of it for so long and then making the necessary life changes to to get back to it do you th 
think that your sister can still do more pull-ups than you? <laughs> I should hope not. Um, she's still in pretty good shape, but uh, yeah, I'll, I can put quite a quite a large sum of money on on it. Uh, I think I'll beat her this time around. Yeah. Okay. So you guys should do a little competition sometime. <laughs> no, no, just <laughs> easy money, easy money. Good, good, yeah, easy money. <laughs> Better not. But good question. Yeah. Good question. Can you explain muscle growth and the mechanisms involved? Yeah. So I think if we talk about muscle growth, we talking about the hypertrophy response, um, which means in increasing muscle size. Um, so, I mean, that's what everybody, most people are interested in that are going to be listening to this podcast in any case. So there's some basic principles, uh, that go into that and, um, yeah, so hypertrophy has a couple of principles. The first one probably would be uh, mechanical tension. I think a lot of people confuse that with the load. It's it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Um, so you need to challenge your muscle. You need to have an adequate stimulus to challenge your muscle. Otherwise, you're not going to get any growth, right? So I can give you this quick example. You can take a pencil in your hand and, and you know, uh, bicep called a pencil 10,000 times, you're not going to get any growth out of that. Your muscle is not going to grow no matter how many reps you do because the tension that is put on, placed on your muscle is not adequate enough to force an adaptation so you won't grow. So uh, that's that's one key principle is, is, is load or mechanical tension. Um, there's a bunch of others, obviously time under tension, how long you keep that, ten the, that muscle uh, under tension. Um, Proximity to failure, I think, is probably one of the most important ones. Um, how hard you push yourself and obviously progressive overload, getting stronger and better at a movement or exercise over time. Um, so if you don't continually stimulate or force your muscles to grow at a greater degree, um, week by week, let's, let's call it week by week, but it doesn't need to be week by week, but on average, They'll have no reason to grow. They'll no have have no reason to adapt. So you have to apply, progressively apply um, a strategy that's going to challenge them more and more each time that you exercise or perform exercise. So uh, that's uh, that's the principle of progressive overload. Uh, exactly, and it's all very very valid points. I mean, it's just pretty straightforward. You mentioned time under tension. Do you, do you use constant tension when you work out and do your clients use it? Or what are your thoughts on constant tension and time and attention? Well, I wouldn't say, yeah, so as the, the two of them sort of go hand in hand, right? So performing an exercise slower obviously places that muscle under tension for a longer period of time. Um, so research-wise, we have so much research on this now. So having a, a muscle for a longer period of time under tension just creates a, a a better hypertrophy response um so i often within my training programs i specify you know how slow you should actually do the exercise um and i sort of explain to clients how how you know how long should the rep be should it be like a two second negative one second positive mm -hmm. um, type thing so uh, what we try and focus on is and what i try and teach and explain is uh the eccentric portion of the movement for that exercise is more important than the concentric 
portion of it and and we've got a lot of data on that as well so doing like a slow we call it some people call it a negative rep right a, a slow negative rep we come in complete control of the the weight all the way through um that uh, cons uh that's uh eccentric part of the movement should usually be around twice as long as the uh, concentric parts. So, if we take a, a, a dumbbell press, you are going down on the dumbbells, you want to take one, two seconds maybe, and then bam, one second up. Um, so, in that way, you're increasing the time and the tension, um, and you're also forcing yourself to stay safer because you won't be able to lift as much load uh, or weight. Um, you have less injuries. And you get a higher degree of muscle growth out of it. So, um, yeah, time and attention, extremely important part of, of uh, hypertrophy. So the, you don't believe in isometric holds or stopping at the top or bottom of the rep. You, you keep it going consistently, constant tension. No, it's, I, I wouldn't say I don't believe in it. Um, so there's, I'm not as naive to think that there's just one way to do things. I think there needs to be a reason or methodology behind what you're doing. So obviously there are some, um, there's application to it, right? It just depends what you want to achieve. So there are times where you would, let's say, focus just on one portion of the rep, not having a full range of motion uh, or doing a concentric hold. There are reasons for that. And and um, what I was speaking about earlier is, is, is more applicable to the general public and the general population. And, uh, the general person in the gym when we start talking about isometric holds and you know uh, working in only a short range of motion uh, or range of movement for a specific period of time then we're starting to get into things that are more intermediate and more advanced right so those things do add up and they do make a difference but the basics stay the same right so just do the basics first and that's where your main growth comes from and down the line um, there is a place for that and I do incorporate it um, but it's not something that gets used or should have as much uh, attention on it as the basics and, uh, you know full range of motion slow reps time under tension mechanical load that type of thing um, so yeah I, I'll never say I don't believe in in this or that or whatever because some something might work better for one person than another person and there's not always there's, there's more than one way to do things. Um, so I, I do believe in it. <laughs> I, I just believe it has a time and place. I, okay. I, I, I believe that certain principles and certain techniques, there should be a reason why you're doing it. And if you can't tell me what is the, what's the reason behind this, why am I doing this specifically now, um, as opposed to just normal ribs. Mm-hmm then i mean you've you've sort of put yourself in a box already so um yeah if you have a good reason why not okay so you typically recommend full range of motion and then two second um eccentric one second concentric this is obviously a complete generalization but would you say that that's a good starting point and then from there then you will decide based on specific people what works better for them and then adapt accordingly yeah so i think that's a, a pretty uh, generally a good good line to follow is um full range of motion but when we talk about full range of motion that's not the same for everyone right so my full range of motion and your full range of motion might not be the same for a sh- specific exercise 
and and that's just basically because anatomy mechanically yes anatomy that's one of the one of the biggest reasons mechanically we we're not exactly the same another reason is uh, you know flexibility and mobility uh, especially in the joints um another thing is injuries we have to work around injuries and and pain points and uncomfortability so uh so i always say full range of motion for you is where you can get the the most range out of a movement without any pain without any significant discomfort that causes pain right you should never have pain there's 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 a pain not the pain of i'm pushing really hard here my muscles are burning pain but like uh injury type of pain you should not have that um knees that are hurting ankles backs that are hurting those type of things then you need to change it exercises or find different variations that could support a larger range of motion uh, or range of movement and then obviously work on those weaknesses in your in your movement patterns with flexibility and mobility uh, exercise and those types of things so yeah i think generally go as deep or as as far as you can with the movement without any pain uh control the weight all the way uh, both directions control it, but put some extra emphasis on the uh, 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 eccentric part of the movement and the stretching of the muscle, um, as opposed to just the squeezing of the muscle. Because yeah, we have a lot of evidence surrounding that that just makes it a bit that tells us it's more efficient. Absolutely, and I'm guilty of that. I always used to just focus on the concentric aspect, and more recently, I've started focusing on that slow eccentric and i'm hoping that it's going to pay its dividends yeah for sure it will yeah <laughs> what what role does nutrition play in supporting muscle hypertrophy probably plays the largest role of all um over and above exercise obviously you you need to create this this the stimulus first right so um once you've created the stimulus by exercising and forcing your, your your body to adapt you need to um you need to feed the body feed the feed the muscle right so uh nutrition is how your body rebuilds and how your body grows so it's extremely important and um an adequate protein intake is, is obviously the first thing that we think think of because uh we need a an, an adequate protein intake to support muscle protein th synthesis and the reparation of of muscle fibers that you damaged within the gym uh, so that they can grow back and grow bigger at the end of the day so um food is everything almost uh, you know i mean you go back to the for even from the the bodybuilders from from the 60s 70s 80s they just and even now everybody just hammers on nutrition nutrition food is the most anabolic thing that you can put in your body and and it's so true um and good food obviously um high quality sources of protein sources of carbohydrates and fats um it matters food choices matter um fuel your body yeah what sources do you typically um recommend high quality protein and carbs and fats and all the rest which which are the ones your go-to's is great rice is great um if you want more fiber you, you pick a uh, you know a brown rice um you know, cereals are great i just i try to limit uh, the sugars um not that sugar is a is inherently a bad thing 
um, but it's something that we want to, um, you know, take in, in moderation. So we incorporate, um, as many different foods as possible to get as many different micro and macronutrients in from different sources as possible. And that just leads to a healthier body, a, a healthier gut. And, uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, a better physique. You mentioned the healthy gut. How, how important is uh, having a healthy gut? Extremely important. So, you know, the old saying where they say you are what you eat. It's, uh, I'll take it one step further. It's not, you are what you eat. It's, it's, you are what you digest. Um, if you are unable to adequately digest food and turn it into nutrients that can be assimilated and pulled into your muscles or into your cells in your body, um, doesn't mean anything. Um, so your gut is extremely important. Your, your gut health, um, there's so much data that's come out on this lately. Your gut health is even linked to, uh, brain health, um, and chronic stress, um, places a lot of stress on your, on your gut, which then again, increases inflammation in your body, uh, increases bad bacteria and building up in your body, more toxins get released into your bloodstream than it should get, um, watery, you become ill quicker. Uh, your immune system is, is, is down-regulated because of gut health. Um, your whole physical appearance can be so different just if your gut health is, um, is good. So I was saying there was like a really interesting study that was done. It was done on rats, but I mean, uh, we have so much data, human data as well on, on gut health now that it's not even, uh, it's not even a question whether it's relevant or not. It's, a, it's like, we know it's relevant. Um, but what they did was they, they overfed some rats and they other one group of rats and the other group of rats, uh, they kept nice and healthy. Then they tested the, the gut bacteria and the gut microbiome of, of both of them. Um, and it was vastly different, like completely different. And this is exactly what we find in humans as well. If we go and look at the gut microbiota from an obese person and a, a healthy person or a fit person, it's like night and day. It's vastly different. Um, so what they did was they extracted the, the, um, the, uh, the, the gut bacteria from the obese rats and the same thing for the, uh, the healthy rats and they swapped them around. They placed the, the, they swapped the, uh, the gut microbiota around and the previously obese rats started to lose weight without, um, any change in their diet or any change in, in physical activity and the healthy rats started to gain weight. Um, without any other external factors being changed at all. So just that would tell you, um, how important proper gut function is. It also supports anabolic, uh, compound, <laughs> anabolic functions in your body, um, insulin production, blood glucose levels. Um, it literally influences 90% of what's going on in your body. So it's 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 extremely important and how can you monitor it well firstly by well, how can you improve it is, is probably a good a good good question so you you usually know when your gut health isn't good you it's um you don't digest food very well uh, you have reflux um you get 
bloated you feel like you're holding a lot of water um a lot of times people feel sluggish <laughs> so your bowel movements are regular yes. um yeah. and uh yeah so so pretty much that so um certain foods would mm-hmm. obviously promote the 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 growth of bad bacteria and uh, cause inflammation in the body so the way to improve it is pretty straightforward like we need a lot of we need fiber in our diets a lot of the processed highly processed foods uh, that a lot of us eat is completely devoid of fiber and nutrients and uh, we need firstly we need proper fiber in and we need a variety of foods um, we need uh, micronutrients to support gut health uh, so we need to have adequate fruits and vegetables in our diet we need to have high quality carbohydrates in our diet we need to have fiber in our diet um, and also uh, prebiotic foods like um, if you don't have a lactose problem things like um, Greek yogurt uh, to promote healthy growth of, of bacteria is always a great option to have in your diet so that's why I, I honestly feel that for most people a vast majority of people just having a uh, a balanced diet of um, a lot of different foods, good foods, is the best way to go. Um, it keeps things, it, it's not boring. You have a lot lot of food groups to choose from, a lot of foods to choose from. You don't like one thing, there's definitely a replacement for it. Yeah. Um, and it will keep your, keep your gut healthy. And um, yeah, also so like uh, bad gut health is all obviously linked to like a ton of uh, illnesses, um, heart health, um, cancers, um, all of those things can be linked to bad gut health. Um, so having having a good gut stops toxins, uh, certain toxins, certain bacteria, certain um, poisons entering the bloodstream, and when they actually do, that's when you get sick, and that's when you not feeling well and um, it affects pretty much everything yeah no absolutely and you make good points about it being incredibly important to eat good foods and and that kind of thing to promote good gut health um you mentioned that you utilize protein powders um what what supplements do you use besides protein powders and which protein powders in particular do you prefer right so there's a there's a couple of supplements that i think are really worthwhile um, one of them would be protein powders. It's not, um, it's not a must. It's not a, I have to use it, but it just makes things uh, more convenient, right? So it's an easy way to get in protein. Um, we usually just use a straightforward whey protein um, that has no added, nothing else added uh, in terms of... Uh, no fillers. Th- no fillers, those, those types of things, and then you, you, you know, you, you, go, you have to trust your brand um, to not do that, to not do amino spiking or nitrogen spiking or you know, adding those fillers in that actually mean nothing. Um, so it's a really easy, quick way to to get protein in. It gets absorbed really fast, um, and for the vast majority of people, it digests really well and really easily. For those that whey protein does not digest really well that's usually people that are pretty um sensitive to lactose um and an isolate away uh isolate protein can can help it's a little bit more expensive but it, it's a little bit easier on the gut for those that do have some uh issues with digesting um but like i said it's not a must it's not one of those i have to use supplements 
it just makes things easier. You can replace it with food and that's perfectly fine. Um, one of the other supplements that's uh, probably right at the top of the list is creatine monohydrate. Um, so just the monohydrate version, that's probably, it's the cheapest version, right? So you get a, you get a lot of creatines on the market that are, are not monohydrate and they cost a lot more, but they don't offer any more benefits. So creatine is actually the supplement that has the most studies on, it's the most studied supplement of all time. Uh, so we know it works, it really does. But what's really interesting about creatine um, is that um, it's, it's now, it's it's long been thought, but it's it's been proven now in quite a few mm -hmm. research papers to to even help with uh, cognitive function. Um, so it's it's even a neuroprotective compound. So it protects your brain. It um, helps with lethargy. Um, so it's really good for your brain. It's really good for your muscles. You, re you recover quicker. You can uh, train harder. It's a source of energy for your muscles in the form of ATP. Um, so it's a, a fantastic supplement that can, uh, an extremely safe supplement um, that can be used pretty much by anyone, uh, young or old, male, female. Um, it's a safe supplement and it really does work. Uh, I think one of the other things that we can talk about, quickly talk about as well is caffeine. I mean, that's been around for ages, but it's a, it's a supplement that really does work. I mean, it, uh, it increases, uh, alertness. It, uh, increases training performance. Um, it increases your metabolic rate. It, uh, so it, uh, you can lose more fat because you're using it. Um, it's a fantastic supplement mm -hmm. to be using. So I, mm -hmm. the top of my, my, my top list of supplements that would help for, um, for training would be creatine monohydrate, uh, protein powder, and uh, caffeine. Those three are probably uh, right at the top of the list of things that really do work. There's a bunch of others, obviously, um, but keep it simple. Those are the ones that are core and quite cheap, well, very cheap, um, and they work, so. Absolutely, I, I utilize all three of those, and um, I know my gym session is is uh, not as good if I don't take my pre-workout. Um, so that caffeine is, is a necessity, yeah. especially when training at night. Um, well, not too late, obviously, because then it can keep yeah. you up. But, but after yeah, a long day. Like, uh, even, even just a cup of coffee, a cup of black coffee before your training um, can benefit you so much. Um, you don't need to have a pre-workout with caffeine in you can just drink a cup of coffee you can even get caffeine tablets that are really cheap and easy to find so um and use caffeine tablets as well and if you're sensitive to caffeine i mean just don't use it it's it's fine there's yeah. many other things that are useful to use um but yeah we'll just keep it to those top three i suppose for now okay okay no brilliant and in terms of the amount of protein that you suggest is it do you go with the standard one gram per kilogram of body weight or um, or sorry, one gram per um, pound of body weight or 1.6 grams per kilogram yeah, of body so, weight or what, what do you use or different yeah, per person? Um, so it's a good, it's a good um, measuring stick, right? So uh, like two grams per kilogram is uh, a good one. It's, it's the same as one, almost as it's the same as one per pound, right? So one per pound would be 2.2 .2 grams per kilogram. That's, that's adequate protein intake. Uh, females, uh, would need a little bit less than that. Um, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, using the exact say, you know, 
two two grams per kilogram for a female as well. Um, I like to keep protein high in in most cases. Um, protein is very satiating. Uh, it, it has a high thermic effect, so it's uh, by just by just increasing your protein intake on a daily basis, uh, you can increase your metabolism and, and burn more fat. Um, at the end of the day, and obviously you need adequate protein amounts of protein to to build muscle as well. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say two grams per kilogram is a, is a good is a good um, a good goal to have. A little bit less, a little bit more doesn't really matter but yeah that's that's sort of where i would aim aim for um for most people the general population yeah okay and what would you say are the biggest training mistakes that um people tend to make during their initial years of training versus maybe intermediate years or um advanced years so i think there are like um three overarching pillars to this right so I think the lack of patience is the biggest pitfall, um, especially if people starting out, because muscle is slowly accumulated, right? So, if, and I and I understand in the world that we're living in today, there's like so much social pressure and social media is in your face, and everybody looks so good and big and buff, and, and it's hard to tell somebody that's like starting out. Um, I get it quite a lot with 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 the younger guys that I help. Um, they'll send me a picture of somebody and say, "Do you think I'll look like this in a year, or look like this in two years?" And then you know I have to be like, "Listen, but um, this guy that you're showing me most probably has ten years of hard trading under his belt. You have to barrel down and just you know focus on your own path, um, not somebody else's path. You know, just keep progressing." Um, and stay patient, right? So muscle is built by the gram, so it's it, it comes on slowly. So you need to be patient. Um, so lack of patience is the first one. The second one I say is is um, lack of consistency. So you might have the best plan in the world, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't execute it daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Um, you have to be consistent in this game. If you are not consistent, at least. 80 percent of the time you're cheating yourself right so consistency doing the boring stuff day in day out same thing over and over is boring it can get boring um but it's what works right staying consistent um and then i think the last big one is mm -hmm. lack of discipline so everybody talks about motivation but Motivation is fleeting and motivation is fickle. Motivation only lasts a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes or a day if you're lucky. But discipline lasts a lifetime. So use the motivation to build habit, good habits. Good habits daily, consistently leads to discipline. Discipline leads to success. So if you have discipline, it doesn't matter what situ situation you're in. Um, your good habits will take over. But if you don't have discipline, um, bad habits are really easy to creep in and you'll just one day say, oh, screw it, I'm having a bad day. Let me just completely fall off the rails. I'll get back to it Monday. Right? That's the last thing that you want because it breaks your, breaks your momentum and it's easy to fall into that pit 
and Monday becomes Wednesday and Wednesday becomes Friday and Friday becomes next Monday. But if you have this, if you have your discipline established, it's the likelihood of that happening is very small. So lack of patience, lack of consistency and lack of discipline. I think those are the biggest pitfalls, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the beginning to intermediate guys usually face. No, ab absolutely. I see a lot of guys start out and they go to gym consistently for a week or two weeks or a month, give them two months. And then they're like, okay, well, what, what now? Like I've been doing it consistently, I've been disciplined and then they lose motivation and they give up. But it's unfortunate because I reckon they need to try for at least a year minimum before actually assessing whether it's worth it or not for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can go to the gym and bust your ass and train as super hard as you want, go to sleep. The next morning you look in the mirror, you look the same as yesterday. Now it's, I mean, you put all of this effort in, but you don't see it. You, you, you do not, you don't see it. Right. So it takes time. It takes time and you, and you have to play the long game. You have to see into the future, three months down the line, um, six months down the line, 12 months. Um, yeah, so just patience, <laughs> stick to it, stick to it. No, exactly. And on that, how, how has research changed the way that we do things? Well, I mean, research, research today is like playing such a massive role. Um, everybody's on about it. Everybody's like, uh, substantiating everything with studies left and right. And, uh, half the people don't even read the studies or understand. <laughs> What they're reading, um, it, it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, research is fantastic. It's but what research has, has done is it's pretty much just it's proven what we've been doing for the past fifty years in 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 the fitness industry. There are some massive things that have changed, right? But the people that have been truly successful um, in the bodybuilding world fifty years ago, forty years ago, thirty years ago, they're pretty much doing the same thing that we're doing today. We might be a little bit more efficient today and have a a few um a few more things to leverage off of and more knowledge. But you know, what we've done is through research we've pretty much just confirmed a lot of the bro science. Um so research is great. I mean it it gives us so much insight and I love research, but I think a lot of people uh, focus too much on on research and not practical application. So research is great, cool. Don't forget about it. Learn about it. Learn about what there is, okay? But focus on the basics. Focus on doing the 90% um, to the best of your abilities because the other 10% is going to make 1% change in, in your fitness and physique. Mm -hmm. So don't go chasing silver bullets and silver linings. Mm -hmm. Um, just do the basics, right. And, and the basics are substantiated by, by, by research. You know, we've, um, it's awesome to have all of these studies and being able to prove a lot of these hypotheses that we've had for so many years. Um, but yeah, there are some awesome landmark studies that uh, I suppose came out really recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, that gives us more insight into building muscle quicker and more efficiently. Um, a massive one is, um, it's actually quite a few, but there's, there's quite some really good meta-analyses and, and the peer reviewed studies that <laughs> came out in that support, um, hypertrophy, greater hypertrophy where the muscle is placed in a lengthened position, you know, 
Um, so that stretch part that we even spoke about earlier in the episode where, you know, you really try and get deep into that range of motion and, 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 and focus on the uh, eccentric part of the movement, stretch it, uh, and then go to the other part of the movement. That, that negative part of the movement where you place your muscle in the stretch position mm-hmm. actually causes more muscle growth than, uh, than we a full range would have of thought. Yeah, than the full full range of motion that we would have thought. Um, so knowing those things is is great, but yeah. the the best the best of the best have been incorporating that in anyways, and they didn't even know it. <laughs> yes, yeah. just now that no, we actually know it, now we can uh, you know make more informed decisions based on it. So uh, it's interesting. It's nice to apply, uh, but don't get lost in research and lost in the science mm-hmm. um, and if you're not sure try it for yourself and monitor it and see if it works you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> a lot of people ask me things and i'm like i don't know <laughs> do it try it right, try yeah. it log yeah. write a log try it for a couple of months write down your findings and then come tell me what what did you find did it work for you yes no i don't know we're not all the same absolutely no i totally agree with your point of view on research being excellent and useful but it's only useful if you actually go and and do it and do the practical side of it if you just read it you're never going to grow if you're not actually utilizing it or or just jumping um you actually need to to practice what you, what you read to to get yep. the gains Act- actionable research so yes ac- absolutely uh, on that one um that those long lens partial that study was actually done by Dr. Milo Wolf, and he was on the this podcast um, oh, a few weeks back. So awesome. that's the exact that's his um, <laughs> his study that he chatted I, about. I should go listen to that. I, I most definitely will. Yeah, it was an awesome study. Like, um, I mean, it it's a uh, very very interesting. Another thing that's pretty interesting, just touching on that, is you know, uh, it, it was pretty that lengthened lengthened um, part of the yeah. So that was applicable pretty much to the whole body. But interestingly enough, the glutes were a bit different. <laughs> Placing the glutes under, you know, the lengthened position didn't actually produce more um, more hypertrophy than mm-hmm. uh, they're not. So uh, there was a lot of people kicking back on um, uh, uh, doing uh, hip thrusts because the hip thrust, the top of the movement is is where you really is with a with a muscle is not in the lengthened position is actually in the in the shortened position that's where you feel it the most right and there and because the study sort of came out and these studies started coming out they were like okay hip thrusts are redundant just do squats um but um i don't know if you're familiar with brett contreras yes yeah yeah so uh he was he, he was involved in 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 some of these studies as well um which also just shows like the glutes are a little bit different at times um, they benefit almost as much from um, you know the the shortened position as the long the lengthened position. So keep doing your hip thrusts. Is <laughs> known as um, like the glute building expert. Uh, he's the glute guy, and uh, he's been involved in so many um, studies. Uh, so he's contributed so much to the uh, to the industry. Um, and if you want to if you want to learn how to if you're a lady and you want to learn how to build your glutes, um, just go follow him for a while and just uh, you know just see the exercises that yeah. they do and how they do it. Uh, it's just phenomenal in the way that he's he's, he's structured his uh, his business. 
No, he is the glute. Yeah, he's the glute guy. That is not. He's he's yeah. the glute guy. Literally, yeah. it looks like he's done his PhD probably in in some kind of area. Yes, correct. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely. I must invite him on the podcast at some stage. Personal success stories. Could you share a particularly challenging or inspiring experience from your own training or coaching career that listeners can learn from? I think the the I think the most important thing that I learned, and we know this is is probably that that section or that part of my life where I sort of lost I lost um, momentum when I lost fitness mm-hmm. and I think the most important thing that I learned from that and and a lot of people can can relate is exercise is the best antidepressant anti-anxiety drug that there is um, even if you just get a little bit of exercise in each week it literally can change your life and uh, you need to make it a longevity thing you need to make it a part of your daily routine you need to um you need to make it fun for yourself and enjoy it um but it's so critical exercise is just so absolutely so so critical for our mental health our physical health um and our longevity so i mean you can even all the way go down to um the studies that that talk about uh, the more muscle mass you have, the the healthier you're going to live and the longer you're going to live. I'm not talking about the 300-pound freaks that um, are on pets and compete and stuff. I'm talking about people that are the general healthy people that go to the gym and, and, and focus on adding muscle mass to their frame. Muscle mass on your frame is what keeps you healthy. It's what keeps you young. And it's what... Um, is going to give you a longer lifespan at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah so you want longevity, pull, uh, yeah, pull, pull muscle, muscle, right? Absolutely, and I totally agree. And all the data that supports having more muscle being very good for you in the long run, and then you can pick up your kids, your grandkids, yes. and you can get up off quality of life, all those kind of things. You know, absolutely, quality of life, and it's, that's what it's about. So we we can't. Uh, like we all want to live a successful and a happy and a good life, and um, but if your body's broken, your body's broken, and you're struggling to exactly like you said, struggling to play with your kids or your grandkids or this or that, you know, um, we can circumvent that. Most of us can circumvent that just by by being physically active. Absolutely. For if you were going on a spaceship to Mars and wanted to maintain muscle size, what? 10 exercises or pieces of equipment would you choose to take with you it can be any machine or exercise but you have limited space and i often get this one wrong because people want to say okay i'll take a whole squat track and then on the squat track they'll do lots of different exercises that's what i just but want to say 10 yeah, yeah so just just 10 exercises to maintain your full uh, as much muscle and full body composition as possible okay. so for example like a pull-up would count as one, but for example, it can be wide grip and regular yes, grip. That's still that's... just one, but a chin-up would be different than it's no longer. Yeah, so pull-up would be one, so I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's the general wide grip, normal pull-up. That'd be one. Some kind of squat variation would be another one, whether that be a normal barbell squat or a hack squat or something. Um, personally, I would pick a hack squat if I can have a hack squat there. But it's some kind of... You're going to have a hack squat. Yeah. You've got a hack squat. So some kind of squat variation. Then I would have some kind of bench exercise. Say uh, I would have incline dumbbell press um, for sure. 
So let's do that. At what angle? A 45 off low angle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 30 to 45 degrees is good. So okay. anyway, there you're, you're pretty good. Um, then something to pull, right? I, I, I'd, I'd love a Smith's machine to do. Um, I'm talking about me personally, because I, I, usually I would say like, yeah, no, no, for I, you, I would for say you. barbell, barbell rows off the ground is fantastic, but I have some lower back issues and like, I just, I can't progress on that. So, but I can progress on a smith machine which is just a bit more stability and support so a smith machine row definitely do that um <clears throat> normal barbell curls for biceps don't need anything else barbell curls that's it um triceps will have the close grip bench press so we are targeting the triceps so we can even get some chest growth out of it um I don't know how many we're at, but honestly, I'd have some kind of delt exercise. I, I would have a a, 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 um, a lateral raise, but with a pulley, not with a dumbbell, uh, where I have constant tension, if that's possible, please. Um, <laughs> I'll have that. Uh, we got to have a... So what is, what is that? On a pulley, yeah, for for delts like side delts, uh, like side lateral delts. Delt. Okay, side delts. So, so side laterals will have that one. Front, uh, front, uh, like the front delts get enough work in any case. So I'm not worried about that. My rear delts will get enough work with the pulling, the side delts, pulling work that we're doing from the Smith machine. So um, then we have to have a calf machine. Like you can't not train calves, right? Um, yeah. So let's just go with a standard standing calf raise machine actually no the donkey calf raise machine so seated no 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 it's it's a, a oh. donkey calf raise machine it's not seated it's where you hinge at the hip like the 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 weight okay. is like um you bend forward and the weight is lying on on top of your uh your hips right so you like bent at a angle like this and the weight is there at your hips um Program. So hinging at the hips would cause more um, strain on the on the um, what are we talking about the, the calves strain on the calves so that would be more effective <laughs> right so then I would have a seated hamstring curl machine okay okay so you put that hamstring in that lengthened position and really I love that machine I think it's my favorite hamstring movement that's that. Um, then just for overall uh, uh, strength and functionality, uh, just an um, overhead military press with a barbell. I think that's always that's a good thing to yeah. to have in. Yeah, I think you're pretty covered. If you can just see those, you'll probably be yeah. pretty jacked. You'll be... You You'll be pretty jacked. You'll you'll stay big on Mars to fight the Mars. Yeah, you I'm pretty sure you're still gonna be losing muscle mass, you know. But um yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna help. Well if they can pack you your protein and stuff, yeah, maybe yeah. not. Uh, yes, yes. So, so if you have those rations in I think uh, I think you'll be all... good rations, yeah. 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 Okay. Um who are your favorite influences in the bodybuilding industry? Oh, okay. Um I wanna say Arnold, but I don't know. Yeah, Arnold. Bro. Yeah, but like old, uh, like back in the day, Arnold, not today, Arnold. 
No, 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 I get you, I get you. Right? So... He's still around there. No, he's still Of course, I know, but... Yeah, I just... I get you, yeah. no, I get you. That, that all... Have you seen the Arnold series? I have actually not. I have actually not. Right, so you got to pick. You got to pick him because I mean, he, he revolutionised things. He's iconic, you know, he's so iconic and and everything. So, um, but other than other than him, I'm I'm a massive Dorian Yates fan. Um, I think we can learn so much from him in the training methodology that he brought to the table. Um, that is so relevant today that everybody is talking about the low volume, high volume, intensity type uh, scenario. So Dorian Yates, obviously, Roddy Coleman was just a freak of nature from yeah. a different planet. Um, I love Jay Cutler and what he's doing for the industry and what he keeps doing is just, he's so busy and he's so busy in the industry. He's everywhere. He's, um, uh, his podcast, oh, he's, uh, he, yeah, his podcast, his YouTube show is so good and uh, he promotes the industry so much. Um, coming back closer to more recent people um love Derek Lansford uh Seabum you know um I love Ian Valier <laughs> and then I love these hardcore training the guys that train like super super hard like Jordan Peters I don't know if you know him um if you want to know what intensity looks like uh go follow Jordan Peters and see how or Jordan Peterson sorry not the the bodybuilder and not the um the psychologist not, <laughs> yes no no I get it. he actually coached the, the guy who came on the first podcast he was his coach for for six is it okay yeah so if you want to if you want to see um what real intensity looks like just go and have a have a look at uh, how that guy trains yeah. uh, those groups that that group of people um dante trudell uh uh jordan um, James Hollingshead, uh, Dusty Hanshaw, those are, those are guys that like to takes training to the next level. And, Seriously, and um, yeah. it's, you can spot from a mile away. This guy is, is training himself into the ground. Um, just the way they go about their training sessions and how focused they are for every rep, for every set. It's such a, they're so switched on mentally, um, to perform that it's just like it's admirable and I, I like to um, model myself uh, after that type of training methodology yeah so so that's like the bodybuilders but obviously like uh, I've got a lot of respect for um, people like Andrew Dr. Andrew Huberman it's a, a neuroscientist um, I love Lane Lawton um, he's got his PhD yeah, in protein synthesis. Yeah, so I love, uh, it's controversial, but I love Victor Black. You had, uh, what is food? Victor Black. Uh, oh, so okay. he's, he's brought um, so much to the industry in terms of performance enhancing drugs and, and research. And just um, not research that he's done himself, but uh, putting research together and making it understandable um and creating frameworks from research so that we can stay safer um john jewett's great i love his j3 university um yeah so there's so many so many people that i respect yeah. and uh, i could go go on for days but good go on but yeah i get you 
Yeah, just briefly, um, we are getting close to the end, but you mentioned uh, high volume versus low volume. Can you if, if summarize your thoughts on high volume versus low volume and what kind of reps and set schemes you'd give in general? Of course, it's the person dependent, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's a big discussion around high volume versus low volume. And once again, there's many ways to skin a cat. It's not to say that... Um, low volume or high volume is superior to one it's not always superior to the other right some people prefer one to the other um and that's fine right so if you like something more you're more likely to stick to it so i mean that that's that's definitely a consideration um what you like more but i have a bias um a little bit of a bias and I believe that lower volume, I'm not saying like super low volume, just lower volume in the ranges that, you know, Dorian Yates sort of did. I feel that it's more beneficial, um, but there's a caveat to it. Doing lower volume, you really have to up your intensity. Mm-hmm. You, you need to take your sets f- harder and further than you think you could have could have because otherwise you're going to waste your time so you need to get really close to failure you need to be super intense you don't need a lot of sets you don't need a lot of exercises um so my my uh my methodology kind of is like let's let's go into the gym with high intensity we smash the training session focus on each set on each rep push super hard finish your training session go home eat and recover we want to go in force an adaptation and then go recover so that we can grow because we don't grow in the gym we break down muscle in the gym so we want to almost limit the time that we're in the gym um so we just want to go in force that adaptation and leave so um anywhere around 15 you know 15 to 20 sets working sets a week per body part is probably a good 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 way to throw at it rep ranges that's also sort of been proven to be not as important at all so heavier weights with lower reps is not necessarily going to build more muscle than lower weights and higher reps um it's more to do with the proximity to failure how close are you getting to failure and actually it's more difficult to push your sets to failure when you're doing lower weight and more reps because then your cardiovascular system is in play, right? So, and that's not always what you want um, because some people might be unfit and their cardiovascular system would give out before their muscles would give out. So their failure would, would be limited by their cardiovascular um, um so i don't know so it also depends what you like but i i generally say between eight and 20 reps is 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 always a good rep range i i vary it uh some exercises heavier some Mm -hmm. some lighter and i structure my training programs in training blocks right so this training block that we are currently in might look different than the next training block so this training block for the next couple of months might be lower volume handling higher weights but the next one might be a bit higher volume and handling lower weights and more reps so it also depends how how the person responds on that um as well so not everybody's the same like i said so but i tend to lean to the to the lower lower volume 
and really high intensity training, um, being extremely focused during sets and reps and, and really just like murdering your muscle, um, before stopping, uh, giving it your all. Yeah. So before, before stopping your sets. So I, I, I like that because it limits the time in the gym and gives you more time to recover and actually, um, grow. Absolutely. You've got to train hard. Yeah. Ir irrespective, you've got to train hard, right? So, um, yeah. and I just think that most people don't even know what training hard is. Yeah. No, I feel like I was one of the, those people until a few years or well, until more recently, cause I, I always trained what I thought was hard, but I think that I overestimated what one RIR or two RIR is. Do you know what a lot of people need, needs, uh, actually need at some point, most people need to train to failure. No, yes, but okay. you need somebody, um, training with you that, that knows how to get there to push you to those limits, right? So that that switch in your brain gets flipped because as if you've never been into that zone, like truly been into that zone or pushed into that zone, you don't know what it feels like. You think you do, but have, have somebody that's much more experienced that really knows how to push into failure, stand next to you while you're doing a hack squat where it's safe, right? And have that person determine when you get out of the hack squat. You don't determine when you get out. That that person there is going to try and he's going to keep you safe and he's going to push you to failure and actually show you what failure looks like and feels like. And once you've done that and you actually really experienced it, the switch flips and you can do it by yourself. But until somebody has pushed you to that level, put that gun to your head and said, listen, if you don't do one more rep, I'm going to fire this bullet. And true failure is you're not going to do that rep. So you're dead. That's what true failure is. So having that mentality um, and pushing yourself that far, um, or having somebody do help you do that, um, I think is really important. The difference between the, the champions and the average. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I was exactly the same. I thought I was training super hard until, um, my first coach started training with me and, um, uh, and we were doing exactly what I was speaking about doing the hack squad. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. Like I want to get out. And he pushed me back in that hack squad. You keep it going. Right. And, um, yeah. I thought I was done, but I, I could do three, four, five more reps. And I did that. Yeah. So I wasn't even close. I wasn't even close to failure. I thought I was. Yeah. But your mind was failing before your body. That's it. That's it. <laughs> So for closing thoughts, what advice or parting words of wisdom do you have for our listeners who are looking to embark on their own journey of muscle growth and how? It's your journey. It's not somebody else's. It's unique. Stay in your lane. Focus on what you can do and what you can do progressively better day after day. Try and be better than yesterday. You're not going to be perfect. Don't fixate on perfection. We're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for consistency. If you can just be consistent in something and do it the same thing over and over again, uh, you will succeed. So find what you enjoy, enjoy the journey, enjoy the challenges, learn from your failures, be steadfast and consistent, um, and keep your eyes on the prize. It's going to take a while. It's sorry to burst your bubble, it's going to take a while. You're not going to achieve what you want in six months or most probably not even a year, but you're going to be way further ahead than what you were yesterday. So enjoy the journey. Um, 
embrace the difficulty, embrace the challenges and uh, stay consistent. Absolutely. You make an excellent point and thank you so much for your time and really appreciate everything that you've had to offer today. Thanks, Roscoe. I appreciate it. It's good to, it was good to be on the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Goodbye, Gains Gurus. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode of TMGP.